Have either of you ever gotten a perfect game in Wii Bowling? No. Yeah. You have gotten a perfect game? I said that with a lot of confidence, and I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like you would know. Like That's that's a memory that you would hold yes. pretty close if you were able to accomplish such a feat. You know? I have no idea. To, I mean, I, I, I really like the golf, but it also pissed me oh, off. the golf is so frustrating. Oh, my God. I, I did... I did get a uh, platinum ranking on baseball when you do the home run derby. That's hard got, to do. That's... I got 10 out of the parks. What? In a row. I stood there for three hours, probably even more. My arm was in so much pain by the time I was done. But when that last one, the 10th one, just went over the wall and the platinum Your thing Your Wiimote came up, just went through the fucking TV oh, screen. You oh, don't, you don't know how many loads I popped. Like, uh, oh my god, yeah, that would be like a full-on nut for me. Yeah. That is insane. Because, like, dude, <laughs> I that's that's the hardest thing to do, I think, because, like, it's I'm always between, okay, do I actually do a full-on baseball swing motion, or is it just, because when I play tennis, it's just wrist flick, I could sit on the couch, like, and that's did it. you guys ever? Did you guys always <laughs> put the strap on when you played? Yeah. Wait, put on the strap. It's a necessity because I you sit there. Strapless. You sit there and think. I like to risk it. Yeah, I risk it. And your hand gets sweaty, and then it goes. It almost hits the TV. And then, at least it's not a smart water bottle. You know, that's what I always say. But no, I uh, recently because I bought a Wii because I was on a Wii kick. I haven't used it in like three months. But like I, I like move my table out of the living room, make a whole bowling setup, and like I was trying to get a perfect game like for a week or so and i got i think to the the very last frame and the second to last one i got a fucking spare and then i haven't tried since then so i got like 11 strikes in a row and then there's a See, there's a strategy to it you have to like yeah there's an actual strategy that i've googled and it works but uh fucking we because we watched eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i like was sunshine. one of the top 100 highest grossing films to come out in 2004. Any guesses on uh, on that top 100 where it plays? This isn't part of the question. Just any guesses? In a hun- out of 100 on? movies in 2004. That's such a, a range. That could be every movie. Like, what? 37. 37? John? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's got to be above... It's probably below National Treasure Book of Secrets. Or is that 2006? <laughs> That's where my mind goes. Um, I'll say... Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Fucking number. <laughs> uh, in the I is this really the trivia? I have to pick one in a hundred. No, no, this isn't part of the question. I just forty nine. Forty nine. No, fucking seventy eight. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> Landed seventy eight in the top one hundred. Right, well, that's because it's very um, niche and depressing. Keep going. Anyways, Ooh. but my question is, what was the number one highest grossing film of two thousand and four? The answers or oh, okay, multiple, multiple choice. choice. Yep. A. The Incredibles. B. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. C. Shrek 2. D. <laughs> Spider-Man 2. It was it was definitely Harry Potter. It had to be. It's Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban. Without John's question. going with Harry it's Potter, Prisoner of Potter. Azkaban. Come on. Nate. It's a good movie, too. You know what? I'm going to go with Spider-Man 2 just because everyone says that that's the best of the Sam Raimi trilogy. And with the following that it has... I feel like Prisoner of Azkaban, it was big, but it wasn't quite Goblet of Fire big yet. So I'm going to go with Spider-Man 2. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like that was before well, the number the... one film of 2004 was Shrek 2. 
Oh, no Shrek. fucking Shrek way. Two. Are you Spider-Man kidding me? Spider-Man 2 was number two. That was right behind Shrek 2. So Shrek 2 made $441 million in the Jesus domestic box office. Christ. That's not that much. Uh, I should specify, this is domestic. Uh, and then Spider-Man 2, 373,000. Oh, my God, million. 373 million. So Shrek 2 had... Had the fucking lead uh, by a lot. And then number three was Passion of the Christ. I didn't even include Yikes. that. Incredibles Yikes. was number five, and Harry Potter was four. Um, so, damn. So yeah. even though we didn't get it right, I'm going to take the like the the courtesy win for that, yeah. like the consolation prize, because I was closer than John. I was. think that's fair. I, just the fact that Shrek right. was number one. All right. Give me I would have said Spider-Man 2, honestly, but I, didn't, I was thinking Spider-Man 2 going in like, when I was like thinking about when I was researching this, and then I was surprised. Shrek 2, I mean, I families mean, loved the first one, I, and I feel like I even went and saw Shrek 2 in theaters, so. I definitely didn't. I just oh. know that a lot of the like Harry Potter films are in like the top 10 or top 20 for all-time box office, so I figured that was like at least top number one for 2004, but it's not. Well, the fact you know. that Shrek... The Shrek doesn't even have a book series, and it was able to beat Harry Potter. Like that's pretty impressive. That's because DreamWorks Seriously. is fucking crazy. They're out there, fucking. Yeah, but they're awesome. No, Blue well, Sky. Like is sick. Two. Blue Sky is where it's at, dude. Ice Age. Blue Sky Are animation. Me? Ice Age. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a reason why they're bankrupt and shut down. But anyways, um, over the hedge. That's not important. Before. <laughs> Before we get into this episode, which is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, this episode is brought to you by Anchor, and I believe Nate is sitting by the fire waiting to tell you all about it. All right. Thanks, so, Nate. Yeah, thanks, Nate. Shut up. Uh, yeah. Eternal- <laughs> Don't burn yourself. Oh, I'm back. Sorry. Sorry. I'm- <sighs> He's out of breath. <laughs> Sorry, I had to run back. I'm working overtime. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last well, short set today, so-, so... I'm working overtime. <laughs> working overtime. <laughs> Well, we're watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for this episode. This is the 4K edition. Oh. Um, I hadn't seen this movie in probably since college, and this is definitely my third time watching it because I watched it when it first came out uh, on DVD when I was really good into movies. I'm like, I got to watch everything in the IMDb Top 250, and I was just going through the list. I'm like, what haven't I seen? Eternal Sunshine, went to Bull Moose, got the DVD for like five bucks, came back, watched it. It went right over my head. I was like, all right, whatever. That was weird. Moved on with my life. Came back and visited in college when I, when I was on Netflix, and I was like, "Oh, I actually really appreciate this, and I like it." And it's been a while since, but I I was surprised when I found out that John had never seen this movie. That among so, many other films that I should probably see, yes. Right. So when I found that out, I was like, "I I have to pick it," and I think Nate, you saw it once before. I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, and, and I don't think yeah. I watched it with you. This is no. No, it, I remember watching it and thinking, wow, this is like, I've just opened up a whole new world of like non-mainstream movies. I'm such a cinephile and now I own Solo <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Fair enough. <laughs> and a Serbian film and I you're also down? crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I picked Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless <laughs> Mind. Um, but if you guys listening, if you've never heard of this movie, just a little info about it. Uh, it is directed by Michel Gondry. He's a Frenchman. Uh, I don't know why I did that. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, Bonjour. Yeah. Uh, he he directed uh, a Be Kind Rewind. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Actually, speaking of Don Cheadle, I've heard of it. Uh, no, sorry. Mo's Deaf and Jack Black. Um, Jack Black. It's basically about oh. these guys like recreating uh, these like famous movies and selling it as their own blockbuster. 
it, it, it's kind of like a weird little quirky movie that's kind of fun and that's a nod to movies. But he also directed The Green Hornet with Seth Rogen. Great like, film. What? Great film. <laughs> really, no, it's really not. good movie. It's, no, <laughs> no, isn't it it's like it's movie. it's basically um, t- uh, what Billy Madison? Isn't it basically Billy Madison where like like his dad dies and he has a bunch of money and then he just like. Isn't that Seth Rogen oh, in the movie? Kind of. I see. Where, I see. You know the what I'm saying? Now. Yeah, Seth Rogen. It was yes, bad. Yeah, yeah it was but really it was bad. the whole like 3D gimmick where the whole movie is shot to be like 3D and everything. So That's it's, dumb. All right, yeah, whatever. No. I was just surprised that he directed that. Green uh, fun. But one for you, one for me. <laughs> Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. That's about mine. It stars Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, Tom Wilkinson, Elijah Wood, Kirsten Dunst, and Mark Wood. Ruffalo. Even Ruffalo's on a Buffalo. I it has a stacked cast. I was honestly surprised at the cast, especially when the uh, the credits were rolling. I was like, oh, wow. Me too. We're in this yeah. movie. But the plot, little logline, when the relationship turns sour, a couple undergoes a medical procedure to have each other erased from their memories forever. Very brief, right to the point. Uh, 8.3 on IMDb with 1 million votes. So it's one of those IMDb top 250s that's up there high in the list. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes with the audience score at a 94 and a 4.2 on Letterboxd. Very critically acclaimed and a big blind spot for John. So. Mm. <laughs> In this group we're talking John. about blind spotting. Um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. What did you know about this movie going into it? And it's hard to take it on a first time watch. So yeah, just man, I'm just I'm, do your best. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't watch this as you know maybe as you did the first time around as like a 15 year old getting the DVD at uh, at Bull Moose just trying to like watch all the big all the big movies in the top 250. But um, With I no life experience to understand what's happening here. <laughs> ex, ex, that's that's a really good point because like watching this as a 27 year old adult, it's been through some relationships and psychological trauma and stuff like that. Um, I think that I was able to get a pretty good grasp on this film. Um, and after, just after watching a lot of movies, I think that this movie didn't go right over my head. Like, I was actually able to pretty much understand it in real time for what was happening. And also really appreciate the filmmaking aspects. Like, on what seemed like a somewhat low-budget film, at least for the movie. Yeah, I mean, I, all I knew was, like, Kate Winslet has blue hair. Jim Carrey's in the movie. I, I want to see more movies where Jim Carrey is, like, playing a dramatic performance, like Truman Show, um, Man on the Moon, and, like, I've seen Truman Show. I haven't seen Man on the Moon, and I'm trying to think of what other what are the other dramatic performances of Jim Carrey's other than this one. I know... The number 23. Okay, well, I've the seen majestic. that. That's, that's the Majestic. I don't even... I never even heard of that one. Um... But I mean, regardless, like this, this is like the Jim Carrey movie that I feel like, you know, people need to see. It's like Kate Winslet. It's just like all I really knew is the shot of them laying on the ice, and like I gotta say, like when that came up on the screen, that was screen that was like one of the most beautiful shots I think I've ever fucking seen. Like in terms of like empty space, and I can imagine it looked amazing on 4K on that TV that I bought you. But yeah, so I. Uh, I, I didn't know that's pretty much all I knew about the movie but I knew that I really wanted to check it out and I knew that it was most likely going to be like a psychological mindfuck and I think that's why I never actually like put push play on this movie because like you have to be in a certain mood for this type of film but here we are watching it for the podcast so I don't have a choice happy to check it out and Nate revisit this for the second time I believe that is correct uh, did you remember, did you like this movie when you first watched it I did, and it was really early in like my 
extensive movie watching. Like I, I think I watched it the summer after I met you guys. So I just started getting introduced into like movies constantly, like taking over my life. And I watched this one here at my house, actually, just out of the blue one day. And it might have even been on that movie list that you gave me. I was just thinking it was, it was like, maybe yeah, on the movie list. Yeah. And I watched it and remember being really confused because it, even the start, like you get 10, 15 minutes in and then it immediately starts jumping lines, like timelines yeah. almost. So it's it really gets kind of heavy. Act. Thankfully, that first time watch happened because this time around, I kind of understood the overall point and I could focus on when they were jumping, when this is all taking place in the timeline. So it definitely warrants a second watch almost 100% of the time, just because it's so time jumpy and you're not sure when this took place and blah, 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 blah. We'll get into it. But no, I remember really liking it, but this time kind of solidified it for me. So I'm, I'm pumped. pumped. Yeah, uh, pumped. I remember really liking it but yeah uh i definitely was curious just to go into this for the third time here and just really kind of because i knew the story i knew kind of what was happening it'd been a little bit but i i, got to, I definitely wanted to watch this movie because i knew it was it's a sci-fi movie but it's one of those sci-fi movies that i really love because it doesn't really go for the glossy look that i, I don't always love with sci-fi movies like the bright white futuristic settings just like everything's like futuristic cool tech and, and gadgets and I sometimes like just science fiction premises in our real world. Like, um, what was that movie with the eyes that we all watched? Eye um, Origins. Eye Origins. I like, that love was like that a, fucking kind of a, movie. With oh a, my God. With like, these like, weird <laughs> twists of like alternative realities that exist in our world. Like kind of like this, where it's just like it's a very it's a very lived in world with this like weird premise of like, yeah, you can get this procedure done where you can erase someone from your mind. And that premise alone is genius yeah. and it, it, there's so many ideas and opportunities you could take with a story like this and i think everything just fell into place with who they got for the cast who they got to direct it this french guy michelle gondry because it's it's a low budget movie in a sense but if everything's done so practical just the way they were able to make things look so cool just in camera is especially this third time watching it because i mean like i said it's hard to watch this movie on the first time because you're you're absorbing the story you're thrown into this dreamlike world of jim carrey just living inside of his head and living in memories and it's so jarring and the presentation itself is very weird too watching this now it's like you can really or the, for the third time you just appreciate just the lengths they went to make things look so cool. Like the shot, like with the, the them laying on the, the ice, the yeah. bird's eye shot, that was really cool. But when Jim Carrey looks to the side to look at uh, Clementine and she's laying there and she's fucking like mm -hmm. it's pulled away. That's like when it so all starts. So fucking cool. Cause, because like yeah. for me, I didn't even know the log line. I like what I said about what I knew about the film is that's the extent of it. I didn't know that this film had anything to do with erasing thoughts or anything like that. So when he walks in and sees Kirsten Dunst and goes into this room and well I think it's after he gets like the he accidentally sees the card from from Clementine or something like I don't I forget how he acquires that cuz he's not supposed to see that card that's like at oh. his friend's apartment. Right. Okay. So yeah, he sees the thing that Joel needs to forget about Clementine this and that. Um so that was like a huge reveal for me, especially on a first time watch not knowing even 
truly I thought it was just a film about tragic romance and then it has this like sci-fi twist and that that really like threw me for a loop cuz that's what the entire film ends up being is like the it's a journey the tragic battle of trying to like keep your memories in like a visual sense like you're visually seeing his mind battle against a doctor trying to take these memories that he's like held so close to him so it's it's unlike anything i've really seen before like there's a lot of movies i could compare it to but i feel like they would be taking elements from this movie like it it's it really is just one of like one of the most original films i've seen at least visually on how they execute this concept it's it's pretty wild and terrifying at I'm, times too it's like very scary in some in a sense with like the shadows like erasing especially his when he's back into a memory that they've already erased so like all their faces are distorted and like oh just, man like there's just fucking horror there. movie dude it's yeah it's it's creepy yeah. at times <clears throat> but just like the way they were shooting i'm just going back to just the technical aspects yeah, yeah. It's, it's so cool just like everything was very like close up and it was all kind of like one take of them like in that office talking but jim carrey would like go off screen, change outfits into like one scene and then go back and, get, and be like sitting in the chair and be and like acting to the, like reacting to the news and stuff. When he goes into the, the memory of, uh, when he was four years old and he's under the table Dude, and that. they're doing that forced perspective, <laughs> like when they the, the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits seen. and stuff. Yeah. And like, he's in the mindset of a four year old and like Kate Winslet's like trying to calm him down. Cause they're trying to basically escape into memories they can't find. Like the doctors can't find so they can live in those moments together. Cause they don't want to erase each other. It's just such an interesting fucking story, and every time I watch it, I get something new out of it. So, like, I know when I watch this again, I'm going to get another thing out of this movie. It's just so brilliant in the presentation, and I definitely love when filmmakers come along and they just make something so unorthodox and so out of the ordinary and switch things up. I mean, that's why, honestly, this year, year, I I firmly believe that everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best Picture. I'm just going to say it right now. Because That's people like point. these types That'd of weird cool. original fucking movies. Like they're tired of the same Oscar Beatty bullshit that mm-hmm. comes out all the time, the mainstream slog of like, look at this performance in this otherwise gray, boring ass fucking movie. Green book. Here there's just fucking this is this is when you can say movies are an art form because there's just so much craft done with the movie and it's it's so I think great to kind of get to watch these movies every now and then. I think it's movies that where there's scenes like the one that you mentioned where it's something that out of context would be so weird. But, like, when you watch it in the context of the film, that scene is, like, so mind-bending and funny, too. Because, like, he's literally trying to escape the doctor. And the way that they actually visualize what's happening is is funny, fascinating, and weird, and, like, unsettling and stuff. And it's... You don't see that. An everyday film. Like, you could watch 20 new release films, and they would do nothing like that. And then, like, one film out of the year will do something that's so creative that they did in this movie. And, like, there were multiple instances of that, but that's the one that, like, truly does just kind of, like, stand out to me as the the weird. And I could totally see the comparison with everything everywhere because that is such a strange cool. <laughs> scene in this movie. It's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, Which is that reason- one... If that movie won Best Picture, that would be amazing. I like, think it could too. That's a good so point. Pumped. I think it's going to. Uh, the The dad just won the first in the first awards circuit that just happened, the Gotham Awards. He won Best Supporting Actor. Short round. 
that usually means he's on track to be nominated at least for supporting actor because uh, last year it was Troy Costner who won the Gotham Award for Coda. Interesting. Through all the awards, oh, kept on winning. He's the dad. And yeah, and so, so um, yeah, the good. dad and everything every, everywhere. So he's gonna most likely win, or if not, just nominated. So that's that's awesome. Um, I but think, I mean, there's a reason why Eternal Sunshine won those the Oscar screenplay. Uh, it won best original screenplay at the Oscars, and it's so deserving because it's Charlie Kaufman, and he wrote the movie. And I'm so glad he did mm-hmm. not direct it because I think the movie would have been way too depressing and way too just out there. But he Confusing. is such a brilliant <laughs> storyteller. Because, I mean, Adaptation is really good. I think he... No, because Spike Jones directed that. And he also... He wrote Adaptation, which is really good. And he wrote uh, Being John Malkovich, which is really That's good. That's another movie I thought about. These premises are so weird this. and odd, but they work. And I think him as a screenwriter is just his... Where he shines the the best. And I think Michel Gondry has, like with like the uh, kind of like the French new wave in terms of like cinema making things so weird and if you there's another movie called The Diving Bell and the, and the Butterfly which is a French film that's a brilliant film and it's done in we a have an episode style, on it. sometimes it takes those foreign directors or international directors to come along and, and play around in the mainstream genre sometimes it doesn't always work out but I love it when it does and it just it's just it, you get like a beautiful result but Nate or John what I just wanted to say I thought this would be interesting because there's six movies and a TV show that I jotted down that remind, like when I was watching Eternal Sunshine, it reminded me of these shows that might have taken from it. And just tell me if you can like think of a comparison when I mentioned the film Severance. Yes, I think Severance. I list them all, but yes. Oh yeah. no, Severance. Stranger than Fiction with Will Ferrell because of just the depressing yep. nature of that character. Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler. It's just a weird yes. kind of dude that somehow falls in love and whatever. Donnie Darko with kind of just how. The film is dealing with multiple timelines, kind of clashing, but it's also, like, very psychological. Okay. Her, and I'll tell you why. Sure. Because you're witnessing the love story after the fact, because we we witness, like, their first interactions, and then they're broken up, and then we're witnessing, like, flashbacks, kind of like how um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is with Rooney Mara throughout the movie. You're like, oh, I remember that. And then you're kind of witnessing their love story after it all happened. And then obviously Inside Out. This is like the non-animated version of Inside Out, in my mind, where he's battling his emotions trying to keep everything inside without losing it because they're about to disappear. So I feel like that this film is... It's so many things combined into one, but in like the best way possible with a tragic I mean, romance. It's inspired a lot. It clearly has. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Those are all the movies and TV shows that came to mind. I was like, wow, this is like actually kind of insane. But that's kind of how cinema is, where it's all like, like there's 13 stories to pull from. I need more Kate Winslet with different colored hair. I'll just say it right now. That had some She's La La Land saying. aspects there. Just like how Emma, Emma Stone's dresses are changing color throughout the movie based on how the relationship is going. That's exactly what this movie did with the color of her hair. It allows the viewer to kind of recognize what time period we're in because her hair changes so much based on like the where they are in the relationship and then like it's cue. blue in the present day and exactly it's red when they first meet yep um so that's a fun little visual cue to the movie and also when they first meet it's so weird because the music 
that plays is very like awkward, but it only plays when they talk, and then when they don't talk, it goes silent. It was like, oddly I don't know quirky. If you noticed that, but it was so yeah. Like it's it deliberately tries to throw you off, and I just love the way they they try to do that too. And, and the music was really well done. I thought. Um, I will say I was but, really thrown off with Jim Carrey's character at first because he's just he's like a brick wall of a human being almost because he's so shut off from society with his like mundane life. And then he runs into Kane, Kate Winslet, who is like the polar opposite, which like movies do this a lot, like opposites attract this and that. But I just I kind of just really, really liked the the tragic romance between them. Like they clash eventually, but I love how she is like pulling him out of his shell like the whole movie is just him trying to break out and try to just open up to the world and she's like that person that's able to do that for him and it starts on that train right and that that train scene is i feel like that has to be such a um impactful scene in cinema because it's just that good but you know the, the the scene on the train that's not the first time they meet it's not and you don't find that out right. until the, nope. the chicken wing scene on the beach. And that was a huge fucking reveal that I did not expect at all. Because that's how they really... And I didn't... The first time I watched this, I kind of forgot about that. All I could think of was them on the train. Or at the bus... At the train station where they like keep looking at each other from the other side of like the benches. Right. Yep. And for the longest time, I thought that was their encounter. That's what a second watch helps. Because then as the movie goes on and you kind of start seeing, oh, why have I seen this shot before? Kind of replaying itself. Then I'm like, oh, so everything we've seen is a product of what we're about to watch. And it's just, it's it's weird because they they make you go, oh, these two know each other and she erased him from her memory. And so you automatically assume that they've known each other since then. Yeah. But honestly, when she erases her mind, we haven't really seen them together. Right. Uh, it's just, and it's weird that and all me... bizarre and whatnot. But and I, I love the moment where it kind of again like the first act and it transitions kind of into where we're going to go from there. But it's like up until the point like yeah, they meet on the train, they're having a great time. He go pulls up to the uh, her apartment, she's sleeping. She's like, oh, can I stay at your place? He's like, sure. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, let me looks like, let me go get my toothbrush, and he goes upstairs. And then Elijah all Wood of a sudden, comes out of fucking, fucking Elijah Wood, <clears throat> little Frodo, Patrick, is just <laughs> like, hey, c- can I help you? Who are you? And then just, oh, we're in reality now. It's like, because he, he doesn't know why he's there, but just his erased memory is like, oh, like I'm, I know this place. Like why? Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's so brilliant. And the way they jump around with the timeline is so cool as well. Like it's very very interesting. And also, the way they reveal certain <clears throat> things because I forgot about some of the other characters in this movie who may yeah. or may not have also had this procedure. Right. And so I it, about that. it makes you think like, all right, we're dealing with Joel and Clementine's story, but what other storylines have been screwed up with th- or who else is? And it doesn't yeah. necessarily affect the story, but it's like, are the people in the story doing things on their own accord or is it because they had memories erased? You're, so it's like, it was you're cool. referring to Kirsten you're, Dunst. you're referring to the Yeah, the Kirsten Dunst and Tom Wilkinson's character. Because Tom yes. Wilkinson's character is like the doctor that is like maybe he created this uh this technology of erasing people's memories and he full spoilers, he had an affair with Kirsten Dunst while he was married and this like cute little like 
doctor intern at the at the offices um and he decided and they both i guess decided to erase the memory of that and she was struggling because she was still attracted to him and she didn't know why and it's turned out yeah like she full-on like has a they had a whole like relationship and then like the wife pulls up and sees it and i had completely forgotten about that side plot but uh you do kind of it does pose that question it's just like is it worth it to really erase full-on Dude, like and people and memories and stuff. I would like do this. it, and then, dude, the, I wouldn't. I, I absolutely would wouldn't. Well, only because, like, I mean, I've been in a relationship for over eleven years. I would be erasing eleven years of my fucking life, and I, and honestly, those are some. Even if we do break up, those are some of my happiest memories of all time. Like, I couldn't think about erasing that, so I, I wouldn't do well, it. Well, I would erase like embarrassing moments. That's that's the <laughs> like, message oh, of the I, film, I, though, right there. The message of the film yeah. is embrace the moments and. You know, yeah. like they make up for all of the the hard times that you see happening with Kate Winslet and and Jim Carrey in this and, film. And there's no, and there's no way to improve on a relationship on on yourself if you are just going to erase all of your failures and bad mistakes. Like you need those in order to shape who you're going to be going forward. So yeah. that's also really important too. Just like it, it is, it, it does pose that question of like if that technology does exist and if you did go through a really bad breakup, it's like that does seem so tempting and. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But and I, see, that's where I think I would definitely do it in, on two occasions because yeah, I, I get the the having the good memories type of thing, but then you got to think, how did this relationship affect me as a person, and did it make me a better person? And I have two relationships right in my mind right now where I know if they never happened, I might have been in a better place, and so I feel like those things that happened in those relationships have brought me to now and I don't think I'm in a good place and I feel like if those things didn't happen certain other things wouldn't have happened to have brought me down Mm. and so that's just kind of how I look at it but it's different for everybody and so maybe in 10 years I would look back on it and be like maybe I was wrong but like at this current moment I would for sure do that procedure and at least get rid of the people who I feel did me wrong. And that's really interesting. Worsened my life. That's really interesting because like you look at Kate Winslet's character in this movie and like her whole mindset is like, she's very impulsive and like, she just kind of did it impulsively without really thinking about it. You know, when I guess if put in that situation and you're able to kind of reflect on like the trauma that you've been put through, it's like, yeah, maybe you would, you know, um, it, it's weighing, it's very dealing, it's weighing, forgetting about the trauma or keeping the lessons that you've learned from that trauma, but also kind of, um, embracing all the good moments, which is what I go back to is like the message of this film is like, actually, what's one of the quote here? I actually wrote down one of the quotes. Um, Clementine says, this is it, Joel. It's going to be gone soon. I know. What do we do? Enjoy it. And that, enjoy it, enjoy yeah, it. And, and that's when they're out yeah. on the beach and, and that's yeah. like closer to the end of the movie i'm just like yeah i mean that's that's literally what this movie's like culminating to is like just enjoy the moments and that's something i've like that's that's been one of my mindsets for a long time it's like that's that's how you kind of have to look at life you're gonna have to deal with a lot of shit but at the end of the day it's like there's gonna be moments that are just like it's the only way to on try to move on yeah yeah because it exactly you, you can get stuck and yeah it sucks it so for sure Especially looking back on relationships, it's like all of us have had bad relationships, and but they've all had good times, 
And like that's that's the way you need to look at it. And this film does such a good job at kind of just illuminating that aspect of life instead of just like I need to forget everything. I need to forget everything. Well, and and I also love the ending of this movie because I mean they could have gone so bleak with the ending, sure. but the ending too. Like I when Kristen Dunst like was like, no, this procedure is immoral. It's wrong. It's 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 bad. And she sends the tapes out of like the sessions yeah. when they were basically See, I think explaining. that's terrible. Yeah, like, it was definitely selfish sorry, for her to go ahead and, and I guess make that call for everybody. Uh, I agree then, there, I yeah. mean, it does cause a lot of confusion for people to now just be like, what? Like, what life did I fucking have? And then, yeah, they might be fucking manic depressed now because of that because they want to know and want to figure it out because that would have so much backlash oh my god like (laughs) i gotta figure out what like i lost 11 years of my life i'm not gonna figure out who the fuck it was like that's the rest of my life for sure so yeah Yeah. it's definitely a little selfish for her to do that but what i got out of um the message of when jim carrey's character and kate winslet's character clementine and joel when they were listening to the tapes they were listening to each other just rip each other apart and What also makes a relationship so what a strong relationship works is also like recognizing each other's flaws and being open about it, but yet still loving that person unconditionally no matter what, and still realizing it's like yes we have to accept our flaws and learn to live with them, but like you still love that person for who they are and everything, and and it's it's a beautiful like kind of message with them as a couple because like that's their that's their last gasp, but like I want to be done with this person, and then they just fucking lay it all out there you know but uh i think just building on that one of the things that because there's a lot of instances in the movie where joel will say something and then clementine's like she just freaks out like at the farmer's market wherever they were on the street and then they were (laughs) they were laying in bed and he he says uh (laughs) or she's like talking a lot she's like god why don't you why don't you uh or something she's like i i'm always talking he's like constantly talking isn't necessarily communicated and i was like Yes, that's, yeah, that's fucking so right true. That is such a good line. She's um, like, I don't do that. Yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. Like, and then also when she she came back and she was drunk and she's like, uh, oh, I crashed your car and he's pissed and she's late and he thinks that she's been cheating. And he's like, oh, great. Like, you crashed my car and you're drunk. You're pathetic. Oh, don't call me pathetic. You, you can't judge me. And he's like, okay, why no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loved it. I was like, this is so stupid. He has it's a like, lot of good yeah, lines, but, dude, in this movie. He yeah. really does. The, the beginning. There are some funny moments in the movie. Yeah. Like I definitely laughed out loud at times. Uh, I mean, one the one shot made me laugh out loud. It was, it was when they were taking a, a bath in the sink. <laughs> like I was like, "What the?" That fuck? was insane. Like on an already <laughs> so crazy weird. scene to begin with, and then all of a sudden he's yeah. just like all fours, just peeking out of the water in a bath in a kitchen sink, and it's Jim Carrey. That scene, <laughs> that scene apparently almost ended the relationship between Michelle Gondry and Jim Carrey um, because they were stuck in that tank, like a hot tub. It was all like practical. So they were in like a hot tub and I guess Kate wins it like passed out and was just like suffering. Just was like, I can't keep going. This is just brutal. Oh and my God. Michelle Gondry was just like, no, no, it's beautiful. Like we do this now. We do it forever. And they shot a thousand feet of, fil- of film for this movie. Like it was, they shot like crazy for the movie. Um, but Jim Carrey was like basically got in like full protector mode and was like, no fucking, I'm going to punch you in the face if you make us do this one more time. Like we're done. Wow. Or like, well, he God. seems give, like the give actor us a that would do that, like yeah. stand up for everyone and be like, like, yeah, I, no. I guess Winslet just was like fainting and Michelle Gondry was just caught up in the moment of just like, this is my art and I, we need this now. And yeah, that and, scene especially. I mean, it works out yeah. in the film too. And I, I guess in the, you can kind of tell in the style too, because the, the movie's very 
kind of like a stream of conscious in a way like it's very dreamy and weird but like the movie's filmed very handheld you could definitely tell it's like two operators and i guess they just communicated uh, the director just had like them on headsets and just was like all right push in go there and they gave the whole uh actors freedom to get up and do it go wherever they oh, wanted wow. in the scene in the room and so they had so many like spontaneous moments and a lot of improvised moments on set uh, like i guess everything that elijah wood and mark ruffalo said to each other was just improvised and they were just riffing uh so that's you the, can kind of tell at times makes sense. but like it, it, it's it works because it feels very lived in like it feels like they're just real people living in this weird world and you can definitely tell like they're these sci-fi technician nerds that are just like oh we get this person's house for ourselves for a night like have my girlfriend come over like let's eat some pizzas and smoke weed and fuck yeah. on the bed with jim carrey's <laughs> drink all his alcohol there. that was dude <laughs> i gotta what? say though like but it's elijah perfect. wood and I could totally understand, like, interns working at this facility that has the ability to do this type of thing, you're going to exploit yeah. that, and that's exactly what they did. Like, stealing Kate Winslet's underwear and going and impersonating Jim Carrey and taking his oh, actual I to lines. his neck. You hate this character with his stupid beady Frodo eyes. Oh, with that necklace? Dude, Where he, oh like, pulls out the thing, and she's like, oh, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. Open yeah, it up. I know. He literally didn't know. <laughs> it's like, and, and then he, and he reads one of his notes and stuff. Dude, oh, my God. It's so, so frustrating. But, like, barf. yes, that would happen. And when Kate Winslet turns to him, when he's like, hey, what's wrong? And she's like, get the fuck away from me. I'm like, yes, fuck this guy, dude. Like, so satisfying. And I also, <laughs> I also love that. One of the cool things okay. about, like, how they erased his memories they go from the most recent memory all the way back so i like how you're seeing the story essentially of his memories being erased it's going forward narratively but the memories themselves are being deleted from most recent to old and so you see him just running back and they're slowly becoming more it seems like they're more happy because it's early in the relationship and so that's why he's like oh crap I'm starting to see the good times. Maybe I shouldn't get rid of these because I forgot that all this happened too. Yeah. yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that because Charlie Kaufman wrote this screenplay. I think this was existing in like the nineties, this premise. Um, and they were trying to get it made. And in the early two thousands, Christopher Nolan released a film called Memento, which was a film that was told in reverse order. <laughs> I need and to watch that. Apparently, I mean, Charlie Kaufman got like really freaked out and was like, "Oh my god, like we can't do this movie now because Christopher Nolan basically just did the same kind of premise, and he just didn't know what this movie ended up being, which is something very unique. Because when you look at Eternal Sunshine and Memento, you don't think of them being similar, really, other than no. maybe the reverse order of the memories. Yeah, like that comparison was interesting that you said that, and this antidote did happen. I thought um, that as well because they're very the different. Film. Yeah, it's like this is very different. This is like a early on Christopher Nolan like timeline where it's it's like the beginning is the end the end is the beginning and it, everything in the middle is also kind of just thrown together but in such yeah. a beautiful way they introduce these characters and you get this feeling like they know each other they keep looking at each other and so it makes you think at the end of this procedure that they do does it is it permanent because they they keep looking at each other on the train and they keep catching eyes. And I feel like some otherworldly presence beyond the film is like the reason that they're I don't know if it's so getting much... back together. I don't know. I'm probably thinking too much. I into think it's, it or... it's more so that the people performing the procedure are a little bit incompetent and still figuring it out, figuring out how it all works. Like 
even the main doctor is like, oh man, like I didn't expect this and that to happen. Like, how is he doing this? How is he escaping, like getting out of the memory and stuff? So like, I think it's almost like a work in progress where there's little Easter eggs still left in there of their memories. And that's why they're able to kind of like recognize and each other. And it also, because, uh, and I love the scene too, when it was happening, um, because when Jim Carrey was in his, uh, like little headset in his dream, like state, mm-hmm. and he's laying on his, uh, pull out couch and Mark Ruffalo and Elijah Wood are having the conversation about Clementine, how like Patrick Elijah Wood just met Clementine based on that last procedure. Mm-hmm. And Jim Carrey hears it in his dream. And he's like, what? What? Who's Patrick? He got he has her underwear, and the, she, he hears Clementine on the phone with Patrick, and that's so, what throws off the whole thing of like, oh, I need to stop this now. I need to stop the procedure so I can hold on to my memories too. And so that kind of like kicks off Jim Carrey's journey of like, oh, I need to stop this because he overhears that conversation at the very beginning because these interns are so incompetent and exactly. they're stupid and they're drinking beers and they're having these stupid <laughs> conversations. And not realizing the patient that can fucking hear it. <laughs> and the scene when Jim Carrey actually woke up, like I love the scene too when they're in the woods and Jim and K is like, Oh, you're dreaming, just wake up. Oh, okay, I'll just lay down and just open up my eyes like this. And then and it, it works. works. And it works. Yeah. I love that, that scene because it was so again. cool. Because yeah. <laughs> the doctors were like, What? And they like go over him and it's like blurry and out of focus. And then it cuts back Pumping to Jim Carrey in the woods. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was so scary because like imagine that happening and like surgery. But anyways, it was like the um, beginnings of Inception. Like, and it was like almost it was Inception like because it's it's like he's experiencing yeah. a memory, but also in real time his consciousness is experiencing that memory from a different perspective. And it was it was just they did it so seamlessly and visually is where it really was so impactful. As like the shadows are like making the memory itself fall away like Bing Bong and fucking Inside Out like. It was really well done, and what seemingly on a low budget really worked. And that that was probably one of the most amazing things about this movie. And one thing that kind of can throw a loop in this whole thing is when Jim Carrey goes, he's in the dream, and he's experiencing, like, his most recent dreams being erased, like, in in the doctor's office. He's communicating with the doctor. And so the doctor, like, in his memory is, like, describing to him, like, this, you knew this was going to happen, Joel, or Mr. Barish type of thing. Like, this is what, this is what you wanted. And he's slowly realizing it. It's so weird having a character that's, I guess, essentially in the present, but going backwards in time and seeing how he's reacting. But yeah, all that stuff about them running when they're in the library and they have to run oh, we need to get somewhere safe. And then it's him when he's a kid. And so yeah. it's like, we need to get somewhere that has nothing to do with you because they you notice, won't know uh, about it. You notice throughout the movie, like, as we're going, we're getting to more and more memories. Like, Kate Winslet is slowly kind of realizing what's happening. Like, at first, she's like, why are we running so much? Like, we need to stop running. And then later on she's like we need to keep running find a deeper memory that they can't get us in it's like both of them are slowly realizing what's going on from their different perspectives because they both did the procedure separately in which you don't realize when the movie starts out you think it's just what is it? she did it's, it to him right she did it to him and then you realize that he did it too and that's it's it 
it's again a mind fuck. Like that's what this movie is. It's a total psychological mind it's, fuck. It's, yeah, he goes and visits her at the Barnes and Noble. Uh, she works there. And, Love the Barnes uh, and Noble reference. Yeah. He, like after they broke up, but she had done the <laughs> procedure and didn't recognize them, and then so it was like, oh wow, fuck you. I'm gonna go do it too. And then yeah. Did they also <laughs> make? And he it- sees her kiss him and stuff like that so it's like oh yeah. crap did they make okay. it so th- there's there's a shot where the guy that she's with like he tries to see him but every time he like turns around and it glitches like elijah wood keeps turning and glitching and glitching like they erased he tries to spin him around yeah but he can't yeah, he's yeah. like but he can't because yeah. they erased that part of the memory or something like that Mm-hmm. There is, just because yeah. he but, never saw who it was yeah, because he so was cool. hidden behind the papers so Very he cool. wouldn't know what his face looks like when he's trying to turn him around and really those cool. are things that you can really just pick up on, on on multiple viewings and that's why i think this is one of the most i mean Same. depending yeah, on where you're coming from yeah. in your life i mean this movie from an artistic perspective is very rewatchable i mean just it's it's so well done and and, and it's craft and uh and it's a, it's a beautiful story. It's tragic, but it's it's a very unique type of romance love stories that exists in in movies. And I think like the premise or the the lo- or the working title in a sense was when Harry lost Sally. Like that was kind of hmm. just like the joke going around in Hollywood of like the script. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with a very unique style, of course. That's it. But, um, the okay, so you guys rented this on Amazon, I believe, or Apple. Yep. Apple um, Prime, yeah. You watched it on Prime, and you did the same. Yeah. How'd it look on the on your devices? Did, I, did it look early two thousands with the kind of new digital? Yes. Type of because it is. There's a lot of it, low light. Yeah. It looked okay. I'll I'll say that it looked it looked okay. Looked all right. Um, I, the, obviously the shot, like I said, stands out. It's the one on the poster of them. That that where I was like visually, I'm like wow. And then when it came to the like special effects of like say, um like the the faces disappearing or the beach house falling apart that's always been my perspective perspective of the film uh it's like yeah, it's very like the early 2000s look of early digital and it's not as bad as donnie darko with the uh with like the weird thing coming out of the sure. chest where it looked really bad and this is <laughs> and this is my first time with a uh, 4k release from kino lorber so i was curious to see how the transfer was going to be this movie looks like it could have been shot a week ago oh wow i was so impressed it was the cleanest image. Like I, I wouldn't say this is like a demo 4K in terms of like, oh, you don't know what 4K is. I gotta put on Eternal Sunshine. I would put on like Top Gun Maverick or like uh, a big action movie so you can hear like the sound and the scope of sure, what 4K and sure. Dolby Atmos can do. But for an older movie, or not older, but like a movie that has like that early digital kind of look where it it never really looked the 19 cleanest. Nineteen years old. This looked amazing. I was really, really impressed on the transfer, and it's it's because it was recolor graded by the cinematographer. She went in and just basically recolor graded wow. it, made it look beautiful, and it, it it really showed. And also, there's another Blu-ray that exists of this movie, but highly recommend getting this version because it does come with the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray is actually a uh, a, a brand new upgraded scan of like the original camera negative. It's like a, I think it was an original. 4k scan so it's it the blu-ray apparently is looks just as good or not just as good but it's up there it's definitely the best improved quality wise yeah i i will say it was a little bit on the grainier side as far as like the prime because i think it was just hd which is good enough for me as far as a movie from 04 but i think it helped in certain scenes because you see 
like you guys were talking about the shadows taking over as they're erasing the memory. Mm-hmm. There was you a couple times story. where where the person is in the frame, but behind them, it's almost like a rack focus. Everything mm-hmm. behind them goes blurry because it's slowly getting taken away. And I think a little dip in quality helped a little bit because it just felt so tangible. It adds to the nostalgia. Like, oh, it's almost like he's being too. engulfed yeah. by this static behind him because the memory is being erased. The last thing I do kind of just want to bring up here before we do give our final thoughts and grade on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is, I already mentioned this, won the Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars, um, but it was also nominated for Best Lead Actress for uh, with Kate Winslet. Uh, yeah. I really thought this, if there was any role, well, mm. so, okay, I'll pose this question. What else is she Eternal Sunshine of the for? Spotless Mind or Man on the Moon? Those are the two chances I think Jim Carrey had at legitimately getting an Oscar nomination, and I thought even win at, for one of the, for at least Man on the Moon, but no nomination, nothing. You think for should this have been one, nominated most here. definitely, um, yes, yes. But then again, it also depends on who was nominated. That's that what year. I'm about to look up. True. 2005, uh, he lost. Jamie like, Foxx always... won that year for Ray. So, oh, I mean, that is a fantastic fucking performance. But who else is nominated? Because so Jamie Foxx, like, who could we eliminate? Don Cheadle, Hotel Rwanda, Johnny Depp, Finding Neverland, Leonardo DiCaprio, The Aviator, and Clint Eastwood, Million Dollar Baby. All those are really good. Yeah, yeah, but I might, I this might be blasphemous. Just Clint Eastwood. He was basically Clint Eastwood. Yeah, you're right for sure. I mean, he had a big as, speech. as a boxing coach. But Hotel like, Rwanda was also like that. That movie was dark and depressing, and I feel like that's like that's like not and if, prominent. If you were to take him out, that's like taking Chiwetel Ejiofor out for Twelve Years a Slave for a movie that's so just like I never saw Hotel Rwanda. Oh but yeah, I, yeah, it's a, yeah, I've seen that. It's a it, depressing one. It is. It's like the same thing. But then it's again, like it's, one of the most brutal massacres. It's total and, genocide. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Yeah, so. yeah for sure. Um, <laughs> that's why I think I've never really wanted to watch it. Yeah, but uh, exactly. <laughs> But, like, then again, it's like, why does it... It doesn't matter. I mean, fucking Remy Malik and his buck teeth won for okay. Bohemian Rhapsody, where he was lip-syncing throughout the movie. It's There's like... other scenes where he, he won was Best good. Actor for that? Okay, whatever. Oscars are a joke anyways. Um, oh, uh, but... Uh, mm. I wish... <laughs> I thought his performance was decent. Oh, I no. thought he was He embodied great. Freddie Mercury. He was fine. Yeah. Uh, but that year, I think it should have been Bradley Cooper's Oscar... Um, Nate, yes. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. On your second watch, what was your reflection this time around, and what is your grade? Well, upon watching this a second time, it was a much more clear watch. I understood it better. I followed the timelines better. I was able to pick up, like, even, like, you guys said with the hair changing colors, it helps you distinguish the timelines. But also just the way that Jim Carrey talks and the way that he reacts to certain situations, you can go, oh, this is in the past. This isn't this isn't something that's happening right now. But just both of these performances and Kate Winslet, I'll say it now, I, I would put her in like the top 10 greatest actresses ever. I just think she is so good and i just saw a i saw an article the other day about mayor of east town that she was in i think think it's a show i think spencer's seen that and he he said it was really good he's not currently at the microphone right now but i haven't seen it and he's praised it so 
Well, and I heard something about the director praising Kate Winslet because she is one of the only actresses that in between takes will go back to her native accent and then switch back to the one that she needs to be in for the oh, character. And he like praised her for that. He's like, yeah, most actors and actresses will tend to like try and keep the character on set so that they don't lose Dana it. Lewis. And he was just amazed at how good she was that she could go back to English, like British English, and then go right to whatever the accent was that she needed. And I just, everything since Titanic everything she's been in she's been basically flawless so it's like she needs more recognition this didn't this fall in the years with like the grinch and whatnot where he would win it was the golden the Globes, golden globe yeah. but then not get a he nomination globe, type like of thing three years in a row and then not one nomination but yeah see that's kind of ridiculous and i every once in a while i'll be on youtube and the clip will pop up of him sitting in the movie section and oh, they're like that. oh yeah. well jim carrey's <laughs> sitting there and sorry you have to move and he goes oh i'm sorry i can't hear you the reception's real bad back here and then he picks up the glasses and like turns him such a great he's just moment. he's a legend and i know he's been through a lot of shit in his career but he's he's awesome and he's just dude i feel like he's gonna have very he's, gonna, he's commendable he's gonna have his brendan fraser the whale film at some point, and he will get his nomination. I don't know if he'll he's win. He's not interested. Yeah, he doesn't need it anymore. He doesn't care. It, no, he he's might. he's gone on record and been said. He's like, I don't really, I don't care. Like he he is so just. He has a quote that's like, I he's wish everybody could get rich and famous so they can realize that it offers nothing to your life. It's like depressing. That's fair enough. And like he's I a mean, very mm-hmm. damaged and depressed like depressed soul. And like even one point in this during this research for the movie Michelle Gondry was interviewing him for the part and uh, he was like "Oh, I guess Jim Carrey had just gone through a breakup uh, with Renee Zeltweger and was just very just depressed and and broken and Michelle Gondry when he was interviewing him was like oh you're perfect for this role like don't get better and then Jim Carrey's like that just shows you how fucked up this industry is because like they just will Put your yeah, feelings aside that. for their own art, and uh, uh, I think that was—I think that was in the documentary Jim and Andy, which is like going behind the scenes of his uh, method acting with when he did yeah. Andy Kaufman. But um, so, yeah, what do you Nate, give what it? Was your, what was your what was your grade? My grade. Funny enough, when I originally watched this, I praised it pretty high, but I only gave it a grade of four out of five. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. But I went on Letterboxd as we were doing like the opening for this episode and kind of contemplated how I felt. And the second time around, the movie flew by just because I kind of knew everything that was going on. But I was just able to appreciate it a little bit more. And the story at the end is it's relatively sweet where it's just when she's like, oh, those things are going to happen. You're going to feel that way. And he just goes, that's okay." Yeah. And she just kind of starts crying. She's like, that's okay. And like, no one's ever said that to me. So I bumped this one up. I'm giving it a four and a half out of five. It's definitely at the level where I would buy the Blu-ray of it. And it's just one of those movies that it might not be one that I would watch right off just because it's quite heavy and sad at times, but it's definitely worth the praise and is one that people should watch if you want to think about things and maybe 
if you have a hard time with relationships, maybe this will give you a different perspective on those. But four and a half out of five from the Nate Dog. All right, four and a half yeah. on the rewatch. Solid, uh, up a little bit of a grade. Perfect on that second watch, which I think this movie has the ability to do. So, John, on a first time watch over there, just watching Winston kind of behind you, bro. The spot is behind. Yeah, he's just all he's sprawled out on your couch. Uh, adorable golden retriever. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I I'm really glad to finally have this as part of my filmography. I feel like every every podcast we're checking something off the list at least um, last couple times. It's been movies that I haven't seen thanks to you guys, but um, I love Jim Carrey. Kate Winslet is just such a talent and everything. She's done everything. Like she was in the Divergent series. Like she's done everything under the sun in terms of acting performance, and this is just yet another incredible performance i think that she brings to this movie she's such a unique character and so polar opposite of jim carrey and watching them kind of just just interact and the flashbacks of their love story and their their issues and the sad parts and the kind of hostile parts of their relationship was really fascinating i think watching this as like a 27 year old adult like i really did get a lot out of this movie than uh, compared to maybe watching this as like a 16 year old where you have not had any life experience yet it's super impactful because of that and also being a cinephile as i would classify myself like the technical aspects of this film are phenomenal like they really really are um i think it stands apart and has become like an inspiration for a lot of films down the line that i've we compared it to throughout this conversation so I I really really liked it. I watched it at like eight o'clock this morning. Like I woke up, made a coffee in my Keurig, <laughs> watched the movie. I'm some busy guy. I had to watch it that way. I had no other choice. Um, it's four and a half out of five. Same exact score as Nate. Same it's up to Spencer here. Well, this movie is brilliant, and just the way it's told, the writing, the directing, the performances, the score. It's just everything just works so well with this movie and the visual components that go along with it are just super unique and very original and it just stands itself like apart from all these other movies. And I love when movies just come along and just do something so different that we haven't seen before uh, and just kind of throw you off. Like like Shaun of the Dead did that like for zombies. It's like, whoa, like a movie could be this yeah, creative and fun and it. just wacky <laughs> and, and entertaining and gory and... And this movie, a romance movie, can be this weird and and just dreamy and not really make sense at times, but then really does on a second time watch. So it's just, yeah, it's one of those movies that you, the more you watch, you get more out of it. You can really appreciate it as you also get more life experience too. Um, so those four and a half out of uh, five, that's what my grade was at when okay. I watched it on August 9th, 2018. Now, watching it today, November 29th when I watched it, it's a 5 out of 5. Oh, Ooh. damn. I My appreciation for this movie just shot up so much more than what I remembered it being. And I just absolutely loved watching this movie last night. And, uh, yeah, I, this is easily one of my favorite uh, movies. Top 50, I would say. Does that... It's just I fell in love on this rewatch. Uh, and so... I and like I was thinking about this because like when it ended I was like yeah four and a half out of five it was a great fucking movie and then as I was going through my day I was like 
why don't you give it a fucking five? Why am I so reserved? If I fucking love the movie, which I do, just give it the fucking five, right. and I'm doing it. So five out of five. Love this movie. Uh, I am going down in the uh, the mainstream opinions of loving it. Uh, I, yeah, I do. So it's five out of five. Sometimes it's like you give it a four and a half, and then you have to like sit down and be like, okay, what was wrong with it then? If I'm up to a four and a half, then why am I not I giving nitpicking. it a five? What is the problem? I was like thinking. I was like, like the Kirsten stuff, the Kirsten Dunst stuff. I was like, ah, I, I didn't. That was my need nitpick. It. And Elijah like, Wood. That's yeah, like, and like the Tom Wilkinson like relationship is like, but does it hold it, it back? Then again, it's like, like it, yeah. it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It, it it does progress the story as well when she does sign on the tapes, and then they can have that final moment together, which sure. I loved between the two characters. So without her character, like we wouldn't maybe have had that type of ending. So I'm just gonna go ahead, just yeah, accept its flaws and still love it. Like the movie. If you says. even want to call five it out a of flaw. five, yeah, love it. Yeah. This movie is just. Out of this world, great. So I'm glad that we now have an episode on Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Uh, but next week, December 8th, we are going back to John's picks. Uh, what are we watching for your pick next week? Well, Spencer, that's so kind of you to ask. Um, we're going to revisit a 2013 Christmas release, Ben Stiller directed project. It's The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, I don't think I've seen this film for at least five years, if not a little bit more. I know for a fact Nate hasn't seen it. Um, I'm sure it's been a while since Spencer checked it out. All I remember is great soundtrack. What did I just say? Great soundtrack. Um, and I just think overall a really inspiring and empowering film. And it's on a digi book, so it should make for a good thumbnail. So. Secret Life for Walter Mitty. Happy December, everybody. Looking forward it, to it. it. It's a weird, honestly, it's a weird double bill with Eternal Sunshine. Just uh, yeah. what I remember. Yeah. The dreaminess. It is. Day, he, he's a character that daydreams a lot. He does. But anyways. And Sean Penn's um, in it, and he on. doesn't take the picture of that tiger. <clears throat> right. Spoiler. Yep. But it is on HBO Max, so <gasps> you don't have to rent this movie. You can watch this movie on HBO Max. My so if you have a subscription to that, uh, go and watch this movie and come back next week on December 8th for our discussion of The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Nate is not looking forward to watching this for the first time, so come back and see if he liked it or if he fucking hated it. Only one way to find out, and it's coming back next week on Those Movie Dudes podcast feed where we're going to release the episode on December 8th, and yeah. Wow, that seemed very forced. Um, <laughs> I yeah. started to panic. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs>